Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders who influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. So we're talking about people that have a Teflon shield who don't like blame. And what's occurring for you? What are your emotions happening? How are you going to manage your emotions to be empathetic to the other person? And empathetic, not sympathize, not fix, not solve, just empathetic to it. I think for me, it's a lot of, you can recognize that and I can be empathetic. I think my frustration comes from the fact that I feel that so much is coming from my direction to them and it's, there's no reciprocity. Yeah, I mean, it's constantly that Teflon, like it bounces off. And so that's why I try different ways to communicate with those folks. Because we are in a work situation, right? We have a common goal. We do have to accomplish something. And um, I can avoid things too, but that's not really my main style. I mean, I'll I'll mainly go ahead in and just like say, <laughs> but I can be empathetic. Yeah. Sympathy sometimes if it's necessary. And this is a, a broad question for everyone here. When there's friction happening for you, occurring for you, you're experiencing something at that point. There's an experience for you that's going on. Think about what that experience is. And I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about it, but I'll give an example. So if I'm asked somebody to do something and they deflect it or they don't get it done, am I feeling that I may look bad because it's not getting done? Am I letting the customers down? Am I letting you down? What's occurring for me at that point? I think it's like Mark's constant comment of be curious and i think that maybe that is more the answer is are you having a difficult time with doing this thing or is there something about it that you don't understand are there other things getting in the way of you completing this be curious yeah love that Love that. What else? What else can you do at that at that moment? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, the uh, the biggest thing is like something happens, we get disappointed, or however you want to say that somebody didn't do something. We're quick to jump in with our opinion, like oh, you blew it again, you didn't do it, or whatever. But I think because we mentioned empathy when I first jumped in here, it's kind of like okay, what's going on for this person? Maybe. Maybe it's just biting our tongue for that 20 seconds would be a good thing to learn how to do is like, cause I'm, I know I'm very reactive. Like, like, you know me, like, I'm just going to say like, that's just the way I'm wired. But you know, the, the, the thought of like, okay, Steve, you don't need to just purposely not say anything. Think about, okay, what's going on in, you know, Joe's life right now is, you know, is, is he dealing with something else that we maybe not even aware of at this point? But the other side of it is, is still like, yeah, I mean. We were started when I jumped in, you guys talk about accountability. And I think the accountability is making sure just because I think you're going to do it doesn't mean you're going to do it. I think we've got to just have buy and make sure that, you know, we have a, a culture where there's clarity, like, Hey, if, if like he says, he's going to do X, when's he going to do it by, do we have buy-in on that? Do we have commitment on that? And then 
know, how do we hold that accountable aside from like, okay, yeah, you, you didn't do it. That's another conversation. But I think it starts with, with, with making sure that, you know, there's buy-in on both sides. And then when something happens bad that like, like they don't do it or whatever, like, let's just, you know, instead of going up one side of them down the other, let's just pause. Like, I think for me, it's like, okay, Steve, bite your tongue. If you really have to talk when you're biting your tongue, ponder what's going on. It's, it's another way of saying, be curious, but uh, just, yeah, just be slow to respond. I think it, it would be what I think, you know, like even if that slow was just five minutes, right. But, uh, think through the situation. Thanks, Steve. I, oh, it's worth Thanks, Steve. I have a question. Um, Vera, I want to give some clarity from you on this deflection situation. Is it this person is not performing and giving excuses for the non-performance or is it a different kind of deflection that's going on? So the current person and other people I've worked with in the past, they have the similarity that they perform the tangible part of their job. It's the soft skill. It's the how. It's the tone. It's the approach that turns me off, but also turns some customers off. And so when, when I go to those folks and say, hey, you know, yeah, you're doing all this technical stuff that we have on paper, but it's like, like Jeff said, it's the culture also. It's the, we're trying to have this culture that it's inclusive and, you know, peace, love and harmony. And when I talk about the soft skills that they are, could work on, that's where I probably get the most touch on because they're perfect. They didn't do anything wrong, you know, burr, the whole motor. So they're doing their job, but they're not necessarily interacting with other people. They're interacting, really? but they're interacting in a way that is, in my mind, not customer focused. For instance, they will go to a customer and like immediately say, you did all these things wrong and I cannot do my work if you're doing all these things wrong, right? Instead of like, hey, I saw this and I noticed this and, you know, what made you do this? Or why do you think this? And I'm here to help, you know, like a, a much more open way to go to those customers. Vera, thank you. That's, um, that's really insightful on that. As you were saying that, Vera, what came up for me, and I'd like to ask this to everyone here, is that whatever is occurring for you at that moment, if we're aware of that first, before we can react to what they're going through. Remember the conversation about self-awareness. We need to be aware of ourselves before we can be aware of what other people are going through. And like Steve says, we're, sometimes we're really quick to jump and try to fix, resolve, blame, you know, hold people accountable. Where are we coming from? And Vera, your idea, your thought about how come they're not dealing with the customer this way? They just may not be aware. That's just the way they're wired right now. And for them to hear that, it needs to come from a place of curiosity, training, care, a little bit of awareness put in place for them. I know, I mean, Steve knows me as well. I, I think I was that person at one point, Vera. I was that person who just reacted and did things the way I needed to do them. It just took some time until somebody told me and sat me down from care and love. And that was my coach. And that was one person and one conversation or did it take time? It takes time. That's the issue, right? It's like, yeah. I, I do talk with these people and that's what I mean. Like I tried different ways to tell them like, 
yeah, you're doing a great job technically, but can you change your tone a little bit? And that's the part that they're not hearing because in their mind, they already do their job perfectly and they don't need to change the tone. What does perfect mean? Perfect in their minds, right? They're perfect. They do their job perfect. So who am I to come in here and say, well, you're not doing your job perfect. You could always <laughs> get a little better. <laughs> so I think that's where my frustration lies. Like they are not willing to listen. And if they're listening, they're not willing to change. Question for you on that again, Vera, is um, what is the level of connection and uh, slash relationship that you have with this person? Is it purely, I'm a supervisor. Okay, so is it, is it purely transactional or do you have, do you have a, do you feel like you have a connection, like a trust level connection with that group? That's the main part that is lacking is the trust. Mm. Because so you, I do try to get conversations that are not just about work, you know, to get a little personal touch in that. I sometimes feel that those people have made up their mind before I even walked in. And so it makes it much harder to, change that right yeah so that's that's why i was asking the uh when they're unaware when they have those defenses up when they have those walls up and they're seeing the world through their own framework and unaware that their framework is not perfect because none of ours none of ours is perfect it's hard to it's the old adage that we say repeat over and over you know you can't tell somebody else about their blind spots you, you have to you have to deal with your own right because people don't people don't listen Unless they're ready. Uh, the other uh, age old, you know, wisdom is when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So you may just simply be dealing with some people that they're not ready and doesn't matter, you know, who you are and how good you are. It's like, they're not ready to hear the solution to what everybody else sees to be a problem with them. Yesterday I was talking to a coaching client and they, uh, she leads a, a big team at a big company. She was talking to a superior who was two levels above her uh, director within the company who was blaming her and her entire team for uh, lots of problems. So she basically said, hey, give me a spreadsheet. Give me a detailed list of all these problems you're talking about. So he did. She went back and researched every single problem and was able to have another meeting with him and say, yeah, no. Yeah. You know, and then showed him the evidence and he actually, after seeing the evidence of his, cause he was using absolutes and, and imperatives, right? It's like, it's like, you're the blame for all of these things. Kind of like, after showing her the, uh, the evidence or showing him the evidence, he actually apologized, said, you're right. You know, it's, it's not as bad as I thought and apologized. And then when she mentioned that to her direct boss, the direct boss is like, you gotta be kidding. He apologized. He has never apologized to any other human being in this company that, that I'm aware of. You know, how did you get him to apologize? And the comment that I feel like is pertinent here is she said I had built a relationship with him. So the, she had worked separate from the transactions she had worked on just building a relationship it took time, but it got to the point where once she was able to give him information, he received it because I think there was a little bit of a connection relationship. So. It's not the only answer, but I think that's, uh, that's a big one. And I think that's a big part of why we are doing what we do in here, you know, in these sessions and everything else is to help all of us learn how to get greater connection, become more aware of ourselves, more aware of others, 
so that we can dive in and build those connections, which again is not easy. It takes time. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. I want to go back to what Vera was saying there for a second about expectations and accountability that Mark and Steve have been talking about. Kevin, I appreciate the, the trust relationship and the connection. I think that's all related to everything, right? Because without trust, you can't really go anywhere. And what is trust? But let's go back to the expectation conversation. Uh, Kevin, you talked about the expectation gap. Mm-hmm. We have a certain expectation of people and what they hear is this. What we're expecting is this. And that gap is where all the feelings are occurring for us and for them. They may be feeling lacked. They may be feeling not good enough to do the job. You may be getting frustrated. Why can't they do it? That entire narrative that's happening in between is where the problems lie. The accountability is the same thing. I would like this done by tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow is 24 hours. Were we clear on what that was? Did we do a check-in? Did we get an agreement from them? So, Randall, i like this done by tomorrow at noon. Are you okay to get that done, please? Yeah, so he didn't have an agreement. But if he says, yeah, no problems at noon, so at noon, I'm expecting it done. If he doesn't get it done, hey, Randall, what happened? Uh, we had an agreement to get this done by noon tomorrow or today. What occurred for you? What was going on? And agreements and accountability are important. We don't do that because we're afraid of that because we don't have the trust. We don't have the relationship built. We were talking to a client a little while ago where they couldn't hold people accountable. They were afraid they would leave. The staff would just leave because there's a shortage of staff right now, right? I think we're all dealing with that. However, I use the example, their partner worked at the same business. I said, would you hold your partner accountable? Well, yeah, of course. Well, are they going to leave? No. So you've got faith that they're not going to leave, so you can hold them accountable. So imagine you can hold everybody accountable from the, without the fear of them not doing leaving and that trust is there. Expectations, accountability are huge, but this all comes down to that relationship, that connection along with being vulnerable and sharing it, which all ties down to us, self-awareness. Thank you, Lashid. I mean, you touched on something else is the vulnerability. Can you or anybody in the group, can you some definitions of what they see as vulnerability? I have something in my mind, but apparently it doesn't seem to align with people in my team. Sure. If you don't mind sharing with us, let's do some role-playing. And see what you what you think uh, vulnerability is. Vulnerability for me looks like showing that I'm a person, that I'm human, that I can make mistakes, and that I can own up to my mistakes in public in the or like to, you know, a colleague, whether they're on my team or it's my boss. I think that's kind of like the overarching part. Like I'm human. I'm just as human as the next person next to me. Yeah, perfect. That's a, that's, a, that's a great start. That's a, that's a good way of having that conversation. 
in this situation where you're talking about accountability of things aren't getting done, vulnerability also comes from being raw and dirty about what you're experiencing when these things don't get done, what you're feeling. And you can say something like, I'm feeling I'm not delivering this message to you properly and I'm frustrated. I want some help from you on what do you need from me so that I can help you. That's vulnerability. We have this leader's guide where you can actually print off your blind spots and just say, I'm a blind spot and this is a blind spot of mine. I'd like some help with that. That's vulnerability. Vulnerability is just getting real and raw and sharing what's actually occurring for you at that moment. Randall liked that one. I did. And further to that is allowing yourself and those around you the space to be vulnerable. And if you shut it down or you do anything else with it, trust is gone. That person's no longer going to want to be vulnerable with you because you did not respect the space that they were in, where they were showing that piece of their life that they don't share with just anybody. Right. Or, or where that piece may come from. We can say we're vulnerable and we can share. I mean, as a motivator, I want the whole damn story. I want to know why in this moment, but what led to this moment to be in this position. I want to know that because that helps me understand who I'm dealing with. But it's also the same way that I'm going to communicate because I can tell you, yes, this happened in my life and it's caused this. What did you get from that? A small little tiny piece of why I may be vulnerable in a moment. But I gave you here black and white. I spared you all the details. Something happened. This is it. Here we are. But if I can give you some sort of a story in my attempt to help you understand why I am not meeting a mark or your expectations or why you're not meeting my expectations, we're going to continue the conversation in a trusting environment. And it's not peace, love and harmony. It's peace, love, union and respect. I don't believe that we can be completely harmonious all the time, but we can be in a space where we can have trust and respect. And if I'm going to be raw with you and you're going to abuse that, Lord have mercy on you. <laughs> Randall, that's great. And thanks for, for saying it that way. Uh, Brene Brown uses this analogy of uh, floodlighting versus laser pointing. Floodlighting is just going around and talking about how you feel and, you know, this is what's going on and on and on and telling the story and maybe getting there. Laser pointing is, I'm actually really sad this occurred and I'm feeling this. Getting right to the point. And that's true, raw, dirty vulnerability. Being vulnerable has to show your weakness. And when we end up showing weakness, our own limiting beliefs show up. Because weakness is a perception of lack of power. That's right. Where I almost embrace it the opposite way, right? If you can show me or if I can show you that I have a weak spot or that I am weak, I truly hold all the power in the moment. What you choose to do with that power after I transfer this, this, this vulnerability out and while I, you know, expose those very, very raw nerves, that's the other end of, of the power right in the equilibrium. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Randall. I think a couple points, like what Randall was saying also, when you are showing that underbelly or that spot that you may not be so proud of, what that other person or the group does with it. I think if it's, if it's received well, 
I think that's where you start building that trust. And if it's not received well and somebody uses that information against you, that's where the, you know, if there was even a notion of trust, you know, that just got blown away. And so I think for me, obviously, it's that latter part that I'm dealing with is like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be vulnerable with you and I'll give you some pieces of myself. And what are you going to do with it? And it just, it doesn't even take a day and it's being used against me. And it's like, that's not fair. It's like, you're saying you want to build trust in me. I take a step towards you and then you just immediately shut it down. So it's like, so I'm on that part of the spectrum. Again, trying to find that common ground for a conversation that we can move forward. And there's a lot of people that say, I think that person needs to leave your team. And I've thought that too, but there's a lot of other things that that person does really well. And that's why I keep giving that person a chance to to shine and be better. And it's like, it's the shield that I don't find a way to penetrate. Vera, how big is your team? Uh, Not that big. uh, Currently, we're only seven. Okay. And you're a leader of the team? Mm-hmm. Have you downloaded our leaders guide and gone to that exercise with the team? Mm-hmm. Didn't help? We've gone to other, uh, but similar things, yeah. What I've seen recently, we actually, we also moved our team meetings to in-person to get a better feeling, you know, just get the team closer to each other. And this one person didn't show up and we had a we had to move forward and the meeting was, I mean, it was amazing. And we had an observer in our, in our team meeting and they were like, wow, that, w- that was really great. And then, then I said, well, imagine the person that should have been here would have been in the meeting. What would, what would it have been like then? There's a lot going on there. Well, it, it, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. Curiosity. Is it also possible that this individual is just not the right fit? Mm. is just not in the right place at the right time for them. Because, I mean, it, in all of this story, which I absolutely love, I heard justification and rationalization for individuals' behavior because the outcome of what they do specific to the team or whatnot is okay. So behavior to the team has been made acceptable because the outcome is desirable. Well on. I think, I think that's, that's um, yeah, it's a great point because there is a lot of turnover in our organization. There's a lot of culture change. And this person has been here, I would say, around 10 years or something. So, and I think I see that as a bigger part of the organization where there's the old culture, if you will, of people that have been here 10, 20 years, whatever it is. And then a lot of new people are coming in. But all these ideas of change and, you know, and I just, I see that class, not just in my own team, but in, in many other teams. So yes, that is, that is definitely part of it. But while this person may be looking for another job, I would like this person still to produce good work. Then you have to put up with what they're doing. Yeah. Or, or assist them in finding another job. Maybe there's a better department or different area to (laughs) offload and move around. Yes. Um, You know, there's 
if I could just say something quickly here, I just been ruminating on this a little bit. Like when we do EOS, we talk about people getting it, wanting it and having the capability. And, and maybe this person just doesn't have the capability to, to change. Like if you say they've been there a long time, maybe they've got this old mindset where it's like, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Space replaceable because I contribute so much to the team. And I think that comes back to being vulnerable with things like, Hey, you know, if everybody on the team's affecting or feeling the effects of this person and the way they react, then maybe there's a vulnerable moment there. It's like, you know, Joe, like, uh, let's have a conversation. And, you know, if, if, if they're not capable of, of moving with the time, so to speak, yeah, like Randall said, maybe you help them uh, move to a different department or, or a different role or a different company or, or whatever. But I'm just going to go back to my initial comment about we're going to recommend, Kim and I are going to recommend downloading a leader's guide and going through that entire journey with your entire team. And what that's going to do is it's going to take away the pain of you pointing out somebody else's blind spots. Because there are some blind spots in the way for everyone, not just that one person. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. And I'll use an example. When I had my IT company, I was the owner. So when I had one individual not showing up on time, always late for meetings, I just sat him down and said, dude, love you, care for you. What's going on? You know, nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, you know what? Whenever you're ready to talk, you know, my door's always open. And I checked on him every day for a couple of weeks. And finally, he broke down and told me what's going on. And we stepped in and helped him out. And that transformed his life. Not saying everybody can do that. It's where and how much can you put in there? Because everybody is a good person. They're just going through something. And they may not be the right culture fit. Not a problem. Those are easy decisions to make. And they'll make that decision. They'll just leave. I think the key there, Ricky, is as the leader to be really clear on what you want for your culture mm -hmm. and then to guard that with everything. Yeah. Otherwise we do the normal way of business, which we focus on productivity and we don't worry about culture. And then we deal with turnover. Hey, are you I, saying lucky that in a corporate environment, like a leader of an apartment couldn't do that same exact same thing? Or are you just saying there's someone distrained by the co company culture policies and things like that? Yeah, it depends on how much say they have in that organization, right? A leader, a good leader will do that. And that's what we say. That's why we say we have really good managers and leaders out there. We just don't have a lot of incredible leaders and managers out there. Yeah, because I just think like even if there's constraints within a corporation, within your department, you should, if you're, my opinion, of course, but uh, you should do everything you can to try and build that vulnerability and teamwork and all those kind of things within your department, whatever the corporate fences might be, right? Because I think to a certain degree, you can probably still, I mean, I worked in a credit union system for, 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 you know, quite a few years and yeah, the culture there wasn't necessarily that way, but our, our team leader 
did a really good job of that. Right? So when, inside of those restraints, right? Uh, you're absolutely right, Steve. It, it, every leader, every organization can do this. Are they equipped to do this? That's what we do, what we do. It can happen. There's uh, plenty of organizations out there that have really strong cultures within pockets of teams. But the overall organization isn't a strong culture because they've got good, great leaders and uh, they are leading teams in different areas of the company or the organization. But again, overall, they've still got a lot of work to do because at, at the very highest levels, they're not uh, leading that culture ship. They're just running the operation. Well, these are the companies say, worst place on the planet to work unless you're working in the accounting department or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that happens. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, Vera, to your point, maybe, uh, you know, just be really clear on what you want for your team, for the culture of your team and how that uh, team's going to function. Make that really clear so that everybody has the same vision, the same understanding. And then, like Licky said, this other person who just doesn't want to fit into the culture might end up just finding themselves another position, or maybe you help them find another position somewhere else in the organization. So looking at the, uh, looking at the clock and realizing we're running short on time, let's kind of bring this full circle back to the original statement of how do you deal with Teflon people? Uh, to use Sabira's phrase there, I would love all of you, any, any of you and all of you who would be willing to summarize in just a, a quick statement, what you've gotten from today's message that we can then encapsulate into a practical set of here's what you could possibly do. Here's all the different things that we can do to, uh, to, to help deal with Teflon people. Let's speak up or throw the chat window, either one. Practical advice. Good, Sue, be curious instead of critical. Eric, uh, be vulnerable and respect the vulnerabilities others show. That's really good. Yep. Be transparent and honest. Mm-hmm. Steve, do all you can to build vulnerability and trust in your team. Yep. I was talking to a friend of mine whose wife, uh, talking to two of them, him and his wife, they're both psychologists um, and they work in corporate. And one, his wife is a clinical psychologist working with the, the craziest criminally insane people. And she loves it. I mean, it's crazy. She loves it, but she loves it. And I asked her questions. How do you deal with a narcissist? Well, and I bring that up because it ties in and just how she deals with the narcissist. Not that we're talking about narcissism. So how do you, as, a, as an HR person or as a corporate person, how do you deal with a narcissist if you want to get rid of them? She said, you've got to be extremely clear on all of your policies and procedures. And then you've got to stick to every policy and procedure like glue. That means all the other people who are doing great, but you've given them a lot of leniency on being late or doing this or doing that. She said, all of them will end up suffering for a period of time because now you have to hold everybody accountable. You can't just hold the narcissist accountable, right? It's, so I, feel, I say I share that story because it might apply also. It's like if you've got a, somebody in your culture that's not a fit and you want to exit them out, that might be one strategy is you just have to be really clear on what performance looks like, what in, you know, uh, behaviors look like. And then hold everybody to the same level of accountability to those behaviors. And then it's easier to exit somebody out when they're not demonstrating the behaviors that you want. And Kevin, I'm going to set you off there. Uh, we're, we're time is up. Uh, Steve, before we go, you taught, you, you added build trust and vulnerability within teams. 
I know you guys do a great job at that. So kudos to you and your team for building that, that organization. Uh, you're a true leader in that sense. Well done. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.